Well, hello, friends. You're listening to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris, the Communications Director at Cap City. And I always tell you to send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. I've done it every single week, and nobody ever does. In fact, last week, I even offered a prize to anyone who did, and you didn't take me up on it. And I'd love to know why. Uh, You are maybe the only person that ever listens to this, and I record these podcast intros every single week. So, you know, maybe you could just make my day by sending me an email and saying, hey, I listened to your intro. You can do that. Or you can just say, man, stop talking before the messages and uh, just get straight to it. Last week, we talked about honoring our moms and it was so sweet. But Doc made a point to say that we need to honor our mothers, as in we each have multiple. We not only have the mothers that brought us into the world and raised us, but we also have a mother who birthed and raised us into our spiritual lives, the church. And today, Doc is going to teach us about how we can honor our mother, the church. So let's get right to it. Hey guys, really glad that you're connecting with us this morning here at Capital City Christian Church. And I hope you do engage with God this morning. That's why we're here. Also, remember to press share if you're joining us on Facebook. Guys, some things are just better in person. I attended a couple of birthday parties over the past few weeks. One of the birthday parties was online. The other birthday party was kind of this birthday parade we drove on by. They were both extremely creative. Hugs are better. It was Mother's Day last Sunday. FaceTime was good. Driving by and waving at mom is good. Hugs are better. Ordering delivery for mom is cool. Sitting at a table with mom is better because some things are just better in person. Steve Smith's daughter graduated from high school last week. They did the best they could. Students made appointments so they could walk across the stage in an empty room and get their pictures taken. But Steve says some things are just better in person. Have you ever been to a UK basketball game at Rupp? I mean, I enjoy watching their games on TV, but there's something about being in the room. I mean, even my wife, Julie, she is not a basketball fan, but she loves going to Rupp for a basketball game because there's something about being in the room in person. A couple of weeks ago, or a couple of years ago, actually, Julie and I went to Dallas, Texas for the Cowboys Thanksgiving Day game. It was incredible. Some of you guys need to know that every godly pastor is a Cowboys fan because God is. That's why there's a hole in the roof of the stadium so God can watch his team play their games. Anyway, I I love watching the Cowboys on TV, but I was in AT&T Stadium. I was sitting no more than a half a dozen rows from the field. There's a picture of us. It's amazing. Now, my wife, Julie, was mystified because I was jumping up and down. I was hooting and hollering, high-fiving anybody who was close. And Julie looks at me and says, Stephen, you are high-fiving total strangers. And I said, no, no, I'm not. These aren't strangers. These are family because some things are just better in person, like, like church. And guys, I'm not willing to give God second best. My family and I have done our very best to engage with our church family every Sunday over the past several months. We'll gather in our living room like many of you guys will check in so that others know that we're there. And then as the service goes on, sometimes the ladies will sing along quietly and and then all together we'll join with everyone else in the Lord's Supper. And then we'll listen to the sermon, which everyone agrees is amazing. But guys, I miss being in the room. 
Now, I know this is going to sound strange for some of you guys because I'm a pastor, but it's hard for me to worship a lot of the time. I mean, I'm usually in the critique mode. What's working? What's not? What do we need to fix? Stuff like that. But it's amazing what stirs me to worship when I'm in the room. Sometimes I'll just hear a voice. Maybe it's someone on the worship team or maybe it's someone who is singing nearby me. And I start focusing on their their singing to God. I focus in on their voice and their worship moves me towards God. Or sometimes I'll glance around the room and I'll see one of you guys engaging God and it's written all over your body. And watching you worship brings me back into the presence of God. And sometimes it's just the power of the room. I'm telling you guys, where two or three hundred people are worshiping God, sometimes it just gets electric. His presence becomes almost palpable. You can feel it because some things are just better in person. Now, I think part of the power of the in-person church has to do with touch. You see, we were wired by God to need touch. We were wired by God to do life shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand. And in an increasingly digital age, non-sexual human touch is becoming more and more important. I read an article in the Psychology Today last week which talks about how we are becoming touch-deprived. We live in a country that is starved for physical affection. Now, a lot of you guys are probably aware of the power of touch when it comes to a baby. Skin-to-skin contact is vital for the physical development and the emotional development and the social development of a baby. But you may not know that it's important for the mama too. Skin-to-skin contact with her baby reduces mama's stress levels. It lowers her depression. It makes her more responsive to her baby. In fact, this part's really cool. I wasn't aware of this. Some research shows that for mamas who have just given birth, the skin on her chest elevates a degree or two higher than the rest of her body, creating a natural warming area for the baby. And believe it or not, when the baby's temperature drops, the mama's temperature rises. And if the baby's temperature rises, the mama's temperature cools. We have an amazing God, don't we? And and you probably know that not enough physical touching can actually kill a baby. If a baby is not held or nuzzled or hugged enough, they can stop growing. And if the deprivation lasts long enough, a baby can even die. But you might not know that touch is nearly as important for adults, too. Research shows us that students who receive a supporting touch from their teachers do better as students. Patients who receive a sympathetic touch from their doctor feel more cared for. The physical touch of a loved one can soothe depression and it'll strengthen relational bonds. In fact, they've discovered that couples that touch more report more satisfaction in their relationships. Now, this one was kind of weird to me. I mean, have you ever seen a basketball player uh, reach out and, and, and low-five a, a teammate right after a free throw? Now, it makes sense to me that you'd kind of give your teammate a, a low-five if he makes the free throw. But these guys are pumping out low-fives even when their teammate misses. But as I was reading on this stuff, I discovered that better teams are measurably touchier. That little touch just encourages. It gives a boost. We're with you. We're in this thing together. See, apparently a warm, non-sexual 
touch can set off the release of oxytocin, which is a hormone that creates this sensation of trust. And it also seems to reduce levels of cortisol, the stress hormone. They've even found that a warm, non-sexual touch even boosts the immune system. That'd be pretty cool right now, wouldn't it? You see, I, I don't think I understood the power of touch till I came to Capital City. I suppose I was used to people shaking hands, but here at Capital City, people kept on coming up and hugging me, even guys, which was weird. But then I began to understand that the people of this family just flat out care for each other. And I began to understand the power of touch. But guys, the importance of in-person church goes way deeper than that. The power of in-person church, the power of the ecclesia of God, the power of the called out ones gathered together goes way deeper than just our worshiping together. There's a wall out in our foyer and it kind of explains our strategy. A healthy church is a place where people worship, where they connect, where they grow, and where they serve together. We can worship online, but it's, it's more powerful in the room. We can connect by FaceTime or Zoom, Zoom but it's, it's way more powerful in someone's kitchen. We can grow in our understanding of God by taking an online class. We encourage you to do that. But I used to be a college professor, and I know that online classes can be good. They cannot replace being in the room. Worship, connect, grow, and we can even serve online. We can send in a check or we can serve in some way alone. But I'm telling you guys, there's something about serving shoulder to shoulder. There's something about sweating together. And guys, we know that serving together is one of the most powerful catalysts for spiritual growth. Okay, guys, I told you last week that we were going to do Mother's Day a little differently. In fact, this is really part two of a two-part sermon. I mean, the sermon itself is titled, Honor Your Mothers, plural, honor your mothers. Because if you're a Jesus follower, you have two. And if you're not a Jesus follower, you need two. Bible says repeatedly, honor your parents, honor your father and your mother. And I think it applies to both moms. So last week was about honoring our physical mom. Today is about honoring our spiritual mom. You know who she is? Now, I'm not making it up. Our spiritual mom is described in the book of Revelation, chapter 12. A strange vision that God has given by God that he shares with us. And this is part of what he sees. He says, I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman. I saw a woman clothed with the sun. She's dazzling. The moon beneath her, seat, uh, uh, beneath her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. And she was pregnant. She cried out because of the labor pains and the agony of giving birth. So who is the woman? You're going to guess Mary, but she's more than that. And who's the baby going to be? You probably guess Jesus. And then John says, I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw this large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads and its tail swept away one-third of the stars of the sky and he threw them down to the earth and he stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth and he was ready to devour the child as soon as he was born. So who's the dragon? Yeah, 
That's Satan, ready to devour the Christ child. And then John says, the woman, she gave birth to a son who was going to rule all of the nations with an iron rod. That, that's Jesus. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God on his throne. That's Jesus ascended to the Father. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place for her for 1260 days. Guys, that woman is the church. The church. Do you know how we know? Here's John a few verses later. He says, the dragon pursued the woman who'd given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a giant eagle so she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she'd be taken care of for a time, time, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. But the serpent kept trying. It says, from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. That's a Satan attacking the church. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth, swallowing the river the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. That's God protecting the church. And then the dragon was enraged at the woman, and he went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, against the rest of the woman's offspring. That's us. Those who keep God's commands and who maintain their testimony for Jesus. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the church and her mother. The church is all those who keep God's commandments and confess they belong to Jesus. By the way, just a spoiler alert, the dragon loses and we will win. Now guys, some people think this is a Catholic idea, mother church, but it's not. It's rooted in the New Testament. I think the first time I really understood its power was at a Promise Keepers rally a couple of decades ago. There was this old black preacher. He was really, really good. And he said it like this. He said, if the church ain't your mama, God ain't your daddy. If the church ain't your mama, God ain't your daddy. And he was right. He was actually quoting an old dead guy named Cyprian, who was one of the greatest leaders of the church about 1,800 years ago. Cyprian said, no one can have God as father who does not have the church as his mother. Cyprian was right. The greatest Christian teachers have been telling us this for 2,000 years. You see, you and me and every one of us, God used the church to birth us spiritually. God uses the church to grow us up, to teach us, to feed us, to encourage us, to care for us. One of the greatest Protestant reformers, an old dead guy named John Calvin, he put it like this. He says, there's no other way to enter into life unless his mother, the church, conceives us in her womb, gives us birth, nourishes us at her breast, and away from her bosom, one cannot hope for any forgiveness of sins or any salvation. Holy cow. So guys, when God says, honor your mother, well, if you're a Jesus follower, you have too. You see, this church is God's idea, and I'm not talking about a church building. The church is God's idea, invented by God, built by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, 
Jesus put it like this. He says, on this rock, on this, on this conviction that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, on this rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And Jesus isn't talking about our buildings. He's talking about us. He says, on this rock I will build my ecclesia, the called out ones, literally. The assembly, the gathering, the congregation, the community of us Jesus followers. Because we were not meant by God to go it alone. So if you dig through the new covenant with God, we've got all these powerful images for the church. Church is called the bride of Christ. And it's ironic how many try to love on God while they despise his bride. Now, I know that God is perfect and our spiritual mother is not. But guys, you can't love the father without trying to love on his bride. And the church, the gathering, the called out ones together are called the body of Christ. Together we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We're the body. And yet, so many Jesus followers try to do life with God unattached from the body. But a Jesus follower without a church is like a a finger without a hand or a knee without a, a leg or lungs without a chest. Without being connected with each other, we wither and we die. And the church, this collective of called out ones, is called the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that the Holy Spirit lives in each one of us individually, but there is something mystical and there's something powerful when Jesus' followers worship and connect and serve and grow together. Jesus says, when two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I'm in your midst. And the Spirit, the church, is called our mother our spiritual mother through whom we are birthed and nurtured and mended and taught and scolded and encouraged and dragged to heaven. So guys, honor your mothers, both of them. You see, the church is not some optional add-on to our relationship with God. Listen, your relationship with God is inseparable from your relationship to his bride our mom. Here it is again. The quality of your relationship with God can be measured by the quality of your relationship to his bride, his body, our mom. So when Jesus says, or when the Bible says, honor your father and your mother, if you're a Jesus follower, that includes honoring God the Father and the church, our mother. Honor your mothers, honor your physical mom, and I think honor your spiritual mom. But that can be hard for two reasons. Reason number one, because sometimes moms are a mess, including the church. Sometimes the church is not a very good mom. I mean, our spiritual father, God the Father, he is perfect, perfectly holy, perfectly good, perfectly wise, perfectly just, perfectly loving. But the church, the gathering of messed up Jesus followers, we're far from perfect. So it's become trendy to diss the church, criticize the church, poke at the church, point at her flaws, her faults, and her failures. And because the church is us, there are plenty of flaws and faults and failures to diss. But I wonder, 
What if someone treated your physical mom like they treat the church? Has your biological mom ever stretched the truth? (laughs) Then your mom is a liar, right? Has your biological mom ever gotten anything wrong? Then your mom is stupid, right? Has your mama ever been thoughtless, self-centered? Has your mama ever been snarky? Has she ever been rude? But how would you respond if someone called your mama a liar, stupid, self-centered, thoughtless, and snarky? I hope you'd defend her. Then why is it that so many Jesus followers tolerate it when people diss the church, the bride of Christ, and some Jesus followers even join in? Now, I know the church is not always a good mom. In fact, sometimes she's terrible. Many of you guys, many of us, have been wounded by the church, other Jesus followers. In fact, for me, like for many of you, most of my deepest wounds have been caused by the church, which means by other messed up Jesus followers. And so for some, Sunday mornings bring sadness, anger. Many people have walked away from the church. Many more have been tempted to walk away from the church. Many times, maybe. But last week, I pointed out that there are no exception clauses to this honor your mom. It doesn't say honor your mom when she's worthy. It doesn't say honor your mom when she treats you right. It doesn't say honor your mom when it feels right. It says honor your mother. And I think that goes for your spiritual mother, too. But guys, I think there's another reason that honoring your spiritual mom is hard, and I think this one might be even more insidious. You see, there is this creeping consumer mentality that's corrupting so many Jesus followers. It's all about me. It's about what I want, what I like, when I like it. It's about when it's convenient for me. It's become a trendy idea, even more so over the past couple of months. Just Facebook, it's just YouTube, but when it's convenient for you, do it wherever, in your home, in your pajamas if you want. How cool is that? Consumer Christianity. And we defend ourselves thinking things like this. After all, church isn't about the building, right? We're the church. In fact, some people are thinking, I can do perfectly fine with God without any in-person church at all because I can worship and I can grow anywhere, right? And I can connect and I can serve online if I need to, right? Besides, it seems to me that every church around me has got all these issues. And by doing it my way, I can connect with God and yet socially distance myself from all the messiness of an in-person church, right? Listen, guys, listen. The ultimate consumerism does not happen when a Jesus follower goes to church. It happens when he or she walks away from the gathering, the assembly, the congregation, the body of Christ. The ultimate in consumerism for Jesus' followers when he starts thinking, I can do just fine with God by myself, my way, on my schedule, when it's convenient for me. Listen, guys, this is huge. Listening to a podcast of your favorite preacher while you're on the sofa or in the car or at the gym, listening to a collection of your favorite songs performed online, does not make you into a more passionate Jesus follower. If it's done as a replacement for the church, it makes you less mature and a less effective one. Disconnecting from a messy ecclesia is way less faithful than staying connected to a flawed and messy one. 
You see, guys, we Jesus followers have allowed ourselves to be inconvenienced by the body of Christ for 2,000 years. Jesus followers didn't get to pick their own day and their own time to worship our God. We gathered together on the Lord's Day, Resurrection Day, on Sunday, when the collective of Jesus followers could get together to make it work. And you've got to know that Sunday back then was a work day. Being inconvenienced was the point. Worshiping our God together became our highest priority, way higher than the other activities that we tend to push in front of the gathering. And when we honor the church, we discover that despite her flaws and her faults and her failures, this ecclesia of God is an amazing thing. You see, guys, God didn't dream up the church because he thinks it builds character to do something boring and tedious. God dreamed the church. Jesus built the church. The Holy Spirit empowers the church because he knows that churches build healthy Jesus followers. They help us recenter on God each week because it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? We can get distracted by our jobs, by our recreation, by our problems, and church helps us refocus on God, and keeping focused on God puts everything else into perspective. And the church helps us face life's problems, and there are going to be a boatload of them. Sometimes when we're young, we tend to think that we're smart enough, strong enough, good enough to go it alone. Then life happens. And you're going to discover we need each other. We need a physical family and we need a spiritual family because we just kind of drag ourselves through the messes, each other through the messes, and we drag each other to heaven. And guys, we're simply stronger and we're, we're more effective as Jesus followers when we do it together. Guys, if you're, a, if you're a Jesus follower, you're on a mission from God to bring people face-to-face with Jesus and to grow them up into Christ-driven 24-7 Jesus followers. And And it's better together, it's stronger together, it's more effective together. Guys, the one who wants you most separated from the ecclesia is our enemy. Because the more isolated you are, the less effective you are. So, honor your spiritual father, God, and honor your spiritual mother, the church. How? I mean, this is an especially weird time, isn't it? It was a weird Mother's Day last week, and it's a weird spiritual Mother's Day today. We can Facebook, we can YouTube, we can kind of connect that way. It's kind of cool, but I hope it's not your new normal. Online church cannot replace the hugs. You can do a drive-by of the church. You can honk and wave. That's cool, I guess, but I hope you're looking forward to way more. What we're trying to keep on doing is good. What we're planning to do starting next week is way better. So keep praying for the church. Please keep praying for the church. Keep praying for each other. Keep praying for all the other assemblies of Jesus followers in our, in our town, in our state, in our world. It's a tough time for the church. And keep connecting as best you can. And if you don't know how to get connected or keep connecting, give us a call and we'll plug you in. Keep growing as best you can. I hope you're spending some time alone with God, developing your own personal relationship with God. But I also hope that you're taking advantage of some of the amazing opportunities that we're trying to keep offering you to to grow in your understanding of our great God. Right now, media, our online devos, our online classes. Keep serving as best you can.
Keep looking for ways to take care of each other and love on each other. Some of the stories that I'm hearing are amazing, and we're going to try to start telling these stories. So if you hear them, keep us in the loop. And guys, get ready to come back. Our physical relaunch will be next week, and I am really excited. And I know some of you guys aren't quite ready yet. That's okay. Keep connecting online. Because some of you guys need to be really careful, especially if you're in one of those high-risk groups. Just keep connecting online. But when you can come, please come home and drag someone with you. We have a job to do, and it's really hard to get it all done when all we've got is online church. So we're looking forward to getting it done again. Guys, some of you guys need a church family. Some of you guys just need to start walking with Jesus. It's really important to get that done. If, if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on you, if you know it's the right thing to do, don't wait. Please connect with us. Give us a call. Give us a text. Send us a message. We will connect with you and help you get started on your life with God or we'll help you get connected with Capital City Christian Church. Make sure you get that done. Take that first step. If God's pushing on you, it never pays to push back. Let me pray for you, and then I'm just going to say two words to you, and then we'll be done. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have had to come into your presence, because we believe that this isn't just talking to each other. We've come into your presence. And I pray, Lord, that what we have said will honor you. What we have sung will honor you. Our gathering around your table will please you. But more than that, Lord, I just pray that that if you have nudged, that we will listen and we will respond. We want to be your people. We love you. We thank you for your grace. We're grateful for your truth. Help us to be a people of God, a family of God, a magnificent place where people can touch you. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Guys, remember who you are and what you stand for. Stand tall for God. See you next week.